Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of waiting for Godot and finding out he's furry. But he's really cool. And he actually might show up. Yes. Well, that's the hope. I want to say something in rhyme, but uh, it's not going to happen, folks. Oh, that's what John, uh, you know, see that, you know, uh, John would have been, if he was still on the podcast as a host, he would, he would have been right there with a rhyme. You're right. You know, he would he yeah. would have had a sing song Meller going. But uh, anyways, uh, this week we are talking about Fringeworthy, and we're talking about Tamellern engineers. Okay, you know where can you find them? You know uh, if you need them, and what's what is the deal with them? Uh, because they are they are in the game, but they're really a GM uh, a, a GM tool. Uh, that they can use to drive plots or or other things, but sometimes the players decide that they really want a, a Tamellan engineer. So the big question comes up: is how do you find one? But we, before we start, uh, Trav, why don't you explain to people what a Tamellan engineer is? Okay, with the fringe paths, as the Mellor War was going on. The Mellor decided because they got locked down on the worlds, and there was the Mellor energy trap where if they tried to go through a fringe portal, it would zap them for 100 points of damage each round or whatever until they went to another fringe portal and they'd have to wait on another world for, I believe, 24 hours. Well, of course, the Mellor that were locked down in the worlds because they didn't want to die, one of them came up with something called a logic bomb, basically hacking the fringe portal system to try to get out. And, well, it apparently the Melor didn't take the proper coding classes because all it did was create problem portals where, like the Rabina Sansi portal in, on Earth Prime, where if you go through, you get knocked unconscious and set on fire. And set on fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an important part. Don't forget that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're unconscious... And then you get lit. I'm sure you're going to wake up again and find yourself burning. Anyways, I digress. Since all the T-Prime Termelon left, it was a lot of Commonwealth Termelon, as in Termelon from other Primes and alternates, who decided, okay, we need to fix the Fringe system because we still need the, the Fringe portals. I mean, the big, the big system's been shut down, so we need to get these portals back online. Problem is, there was, like, one Termellern engineer for, like, a set number of nodes. And, of course, there's a billion, billion worlds. So you got one Termellern engineer. And, of course, the Termellern are all pretty much immortal. So still, they're spending... They've been working on their particular batch of nodes for a thousand years. So there is a slight chance you might find a Termellern walking around on the portals crouched in front of a pylon with a rainbow key, excuse me, in the, the top of the pylon, 
rocking with it. But it's rare because, of course, they know all the ins and outs of the fringe portals. And if they don't want to be found, they're not going to be found. But if you're lucky... Right, but are you saying that you believe that a a Tamellar engineer is assigned a section of the fringe path? Yeah, I, I think Rich or John said it that, and I want to say it's like one per 50,000 nodes or something like that was the number. I, the number was 50,000. I don't know if it was portals or nodes. Either way, that they're, they're going to be pretty busy. Okay. Well, we know from the actual book that there are two, uh, two Tamellarn engineers. Yes. One is a male, one is a female. And that's the only ones that are ever mentioned in the entire book. There's Schmert and Gwadthrir? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> and she's female. Yeah. So, um, so the point here is, is that you've got two of them. And so there's, if you are going to find one, it's probably going to be one of those two. Well, because they're in that local group there where Earth Prime and the portals that were laid out in the four portals books, that's probably, quote unquote, their beat. So, but even then, you know, how many how many nodes are there in the four portals books and those two have to work all of them? Yeah, they're going to be pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but they, you know, and we pretty much established in earlier podcasts that because of the logic bomb, there is no like central location that they can like uh, send out, you know, uh, uh, a, you know, uh, uh, another like, you know, programming thing to go and reprogram all the portals. At least, you know, uh, there isn't one available or there isn't a possibility of it and let, uh, until the end of Portals 4. Yeah. Right. You might find a, a massive control node somewhere near, you know, T-Prime's original platform. There might be a way of doing it. We, we, we don't want to give it out. So, you know, but the point is, is that there there's a whole adventure, you know, basically like the last, the last Friends Royal adventure that Richard ever wrote is that one. So, um... And uh, you know it, it is a uh, it's either a uh, campaign ender yeah. or it's a campaign changer, you know. So essentially, it is a campaign ender. Um, so it's one of those things where you either go with it or you don't. And so I've never been ready to do that. So it's ne- that those events have never happened in my campaign, though I am having them. You know, my guys facing off against the Coptics, so uh, they're there too. Uh, but the Coptic story and this other story I'm talking about are actually totally separate from each other. So assuming the Tamelern can't just go and say, hey, I'm just going to reprogram all the nodes in my in my area. Okay, you know, one swoop, fix all the, the problems like that, and then I'm done. Then, because they would have, yeah. if they could have, don't you think? So that means they literally have to go portal by portal, uh, I should uh, and and fix test them and fix them to make sure that they are a either you know a working and b that they are the way they want them to be because it may be that they are not fixing every portal because they may know that there's something on that world that they don't want to get out so they leave it in a dysfunctional state because we, we know that if you have a crystal a, a, a 
a rainbow crystal, we know that you can, even if someone locks the portal, you can unlock it. So it may be that some of these problem portals are there to deter people from, even with a rainbow crystal, trying to use the portal. Well, also, let's say the world, something happened to it. Either they picked the world and it has, like, low atmosphere, or there's some type of quality of the world that, okay, we need the intermediate area transfer for this world to give enough time those who want to visit this world to put on spacesuits or what have you. Then you take the inner, then you have the portal with that intermediate area transfer quality that you can also copy with a crystal key, but they'll just leave it on there. That way, then you have, well, that, that, that buffer, so to speak. So they'll leave things like that just because it may not be because the Mellor are on that world. The world itself, due to its nature, may be threatening to life or. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's a low priority. We'll fix that portal later. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I mean, unless they're just basically, you know, it could be the Schmert and uh, and, and his his uh, cohort are basically lazy. <laughs> Maybe they really are taking their time, you know, and they they could have fixed them all a thousand, you know, hundreds of years ago, but they're just leisurely we're fixing portal after portal, and they just haven't gotten around to some of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's up to you as the GM how you want to present these to Mellorn. But uh, so one way of finding the to Mellorn is you literally stumble over them. Yay, plot device. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 And so you, you literally go to a portal, a platform, and, and there's one there working on it. Yeah. Oh, hey, fancy and meeting said, you here. Hunch, yeah, hunched over a pylon with a rainbow key in the top and just there, you know, getting into the, the, the what's the term I'm looking for? Getting into the root functions of the of the that particular platform, and getting in and dealing with the the, the bugged core programming, so to speak. Right, and you might actually see uh, something um, something you didn't know about the French path because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he might have he might have activated those four in the center, and you know that might be how you. You know, you, you you suddenly realize that there's more portals on the platform than they're supposed to be. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, am I in, incorrect in that the early campaign that the rainbow crystals were simply theorized and hadn't been seen yet? Yeah. They, yeah, they didn't have any rainbow crystals in the early campaign. Yeah. You don't want there to be rainbow crystals in the early campaign. No. But this might be where you realize, oh, they do exist. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one, but he's not going to give it to you. Oh, heck no. Yeah. You know, he, he could he could say something like, well, you know, if it's a if it's a brown or, or lower, it's probably OK for you to go explore it. You know, and remember, as it, it's, it is also a, uh, a technique for keeping the whole fringe path evergreen for the GM, because there will be portals that could be right next to Earth Prime that are locked down with higher level crystals. And, you know, you nobody's able to explore them because they're not open. And so, but later on, you can open those up, and now the players don't have to travel 500 platforms in order to find a, a platform that they haven't explored yet. There's a there's a portal right there that they didn't know about. So that's it's it's a it's a technique, you know, for the GM. Uh, but uh, you can you know you can place whatever rationale you want because most of these portals are very sketchily. Uh, 
determined. You know, they're very sketchily uh, described. And if you do decide to do it that way, and you do decide that that the uh, uh, that they're actually locked out intentionally by the Tamalern with what they consider to be an appropriate danger level, which may not be appropriate to humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? The point is, is that you know the uh, it, you know the don't 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 open up all the portals on you know in the early campaign on your platforms unless you and you you want to be this is the only one smart when he brought Sanyuri back to uh, Earth Prime after having his little tete a tete with her when she first went through the portal maybe he unlocked all of the the portals on uh, on on Earth. Prime's node, and um, and and that maybe that's okay, you know. And then, but it shouldn't be that way for everything, you know. It's it, I think that would definitely be a, a bad idea for the uh, sanity of your GM, and because we we all who were the early players before we really understood about this locking business, you know, we didn't we uh, we. The, the ones we got from Richard all said, this is what's on the other side of the portal. Didn't really indicate whether any of them were locked or not. So, you know, we, they would, people would go onto the platforms, they stick their heads through eight portals and we'd have to describe what was on the other side of every one of them. And then they would decide whether or not they actually wanted to explore it or not. And if they didn't like any of them, they might say, well, let's go to the next platform over and they would want to do eight more portals. And the GM's like, <laughs> that's now 16 adventures, 17 if you include the prime, that I have to be ready to run. That's that's like an entire campaign for most people. It's like a year's worth of gaming. And he's got to be, he or she's got to be ready for it day one. And that's really tough. I, I don't recommend that. So anyways, but that's, that's a soapbox. Uh, we don't want to stay on that one. But we were talking about... Uh, uh, about how Schmert brought Sunuri back to Earth Prime. What's uh, what's the deal with Schmert and Sunuri? One of the ways of probably finding an engineer is to ask Sunuri. Yeah, Sunuri Tanuma. Yeah, yeah, the first Earth Primer. Okay, no, let's change this. The second Earth Primer to experience Schmert. Right. Because I'm pretty sure that Captain Oates of the Scott Antarctic Expedition, who Sayuri found dead and found his journal with all the weird languages and the pressed orchid. And a crystal. He probably met... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yes, thank you. Probably met Schmert whenever the Scott Expedition happened, like a hundred years ago or whatever. Right. So... Sayuri is the second human of Earth Prime to meet Schmert, and because she came through the portal, I'm pretty sure that Schmert had everything set up and ready and opened and all that. Okay, it is time for them to learn. She comes through. So Sayuri comes through the portal, and from what I remember, she ends up going through a portal and finds a home tree in the middle of a desert with Schmert there, and they talk, and that's when she gets, excuse me, the telepathic data dump to where she's speaking Latin on other languages and learn the 
funny feller, mushy meller hanging from a tree. That, you know, that little Who's there, I said, as I stood on my head, but no one answered me. Yes, thank you. And so, Sayuri... I wouldn't... Sayuri and Schmert, yeah, I would say they'd have a friendship, obviously. Of course, if you're going to telepathically data dump into somebody's head, you're going to get to know a person. So, Schmert would have gotten Sayuri's thoughts and found out about who she was. And so, yeah, Schmert, and of course, all the Termellern treat humans like their children, and, oh, we love you and want to, you know, help you be better. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a certain paternal affection between Schmert and Sayuri. But we have talked before that because Sayuri basically had all this information dumped in her head, she's now in a gilded cage because at any time she could all of a sudden just blurt out this information in a totally different language. Possibly a language that Earth Primers don't know because it could be like a like a Dutch-Japanese pigeon because that's the information, that's the language from which Earth she got that information through Schmert. So, yeah, I would say those two have a definite bond. But I would think Schmert treats her as, okay, you are someone I am emboldening with information to help your fellow man. I want to raise all of you up and you are the, the emissary for this. I give you this gift. So I would say definitely Schmert feels paternal toward Sayuri. Uh-huh. I think that would be the best way to describe it. And of course, Sayuri, you know, every so often is rubbing her temples going, I don't know this language. Why is it here? You know. Right. But the point is, so, is that yeah. she gets triggered by things. Oh, yeah. Okay. And a, a lot oh, yeah. of the information about how the fringe pass works is because things happen and she says, oh, yeah. And then she starts t- talking about something like she knows everything about it. And five seconds ago, she didn't have a clue. So they know that, that he's put this data dump in her. And, you know, initially they, they probably wanted her out of the fringe pass so she would trigger her. But then later on, they realize that she, you know, she has information that's so valuable that they don't want to lose her, especially after they find out about the Meller. And that's when they put her in a gilded yeah. cage back on her prime. But the point is, is that if there came a time when we really needed a Tamellan engineer, she might know where he is. Yes. So one way of finding a Tamellan engineer would be to ask Signori. Okay. So that's and I and I've got the page I've got the page here up in Portals 4 about the three type of Termellern. You have the Commonwealth Termellern, they're the most human like, they make fine neighbors and want to help the Commonwealth offer the Commonwealth to humanity and and the Termellern engineers. The Termellerns are from both sides of the Termellern species. So you can have T primers and alt Termellern. Of course, the Termellans saw all the people of the Primes as feller Termell, but actually, those who are physiologically Termellan, that sort of anthropoid bear cat with the prehensile tail. And then you got the T Prime Termellan, who are, you know, the ones who started it all, the ones who made the French path themselves. Right. But apparently, yeah, from what it says there in Portals 4, an engineer could be a T Primer or could be a Commonwealth. 
I bet that would be weird to see this T-Primer who is away from everything he knows. He's lost so much. His planet is has been, you know, moved away. And he's on this lonely quest to fix these portals to try to help those else on the fringe paths. The Commonwealth Termeller, they you know, they know their world is safe. They offered to do this, but yeah, that would be sort of an interesting NPC to play this Termellern from T Prime who just he's taken on this almost as he knows he's so far from home. It it just yeah, it would it would be interesting if if a GM and it, and this would have to be an advanced GM to play a Termellern. Just to, to yeah. try to get to evoke that, I guess that sense of homesickness, but also I was going to say melancholy. Yeah, but also this sense of duty, melancholy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the sense of duty that I have to fix these portals because they're needed, and I suppose a little bit of guilt because you know how the Termellan War with you know with. Yeah, I mean, if it's a real team primer, they really do know what happened behind the scenes, all the dirty secrets. Yes. And they're carrying that burden. Yeah, You know, instead of going, leaving with everybody else, they're out there basically carrying that burden, you know, knowing this and and seeing the the suffering that is caused. Well, yeah, and they also know that, let's say they go to a world and they come through and all of a sudden... It's a Commonwealth world that knew, and let's say they kept, excuse me, that they kept the knowledge going that in the end, the Termellon are the one who created the two races that caused all this crap. That Termellon's got kind of a red dot on him because he goes to a certain world and they see he's the one that, you know, his race started all this. You know, there's a chance he's often having to run back to the portal and lock it down just because. So as I said, to to role play, if it's a T-Prime Termellor, your characters meet him, and if you can convey the sense of loss and guilt and melancholy, but still hopefulness, because they because what Richard always said, it's going to be. He says something's going is coming, and it's going to be wonderful. That's yes. he kept saying that to us when we kept asking him about like. Portals 4, and, and and is this ever going to end? And he says, something's coming. Yes. And that's how they would act. They would be like, yes, they're very melancholy. They, they accept the guilt. They accept the responsibility. But they don't want you to lose hope because there's hope. And the, the Commonwealth turmoil, and they're doing it just because, well, they brought brought into the Commonwealth, and they're like, okay, we're part of this. We fought the war. This is a consequence of the war. We know that the working fringe paths are a key to trade and exploration and rebuilding the Commonwealth and regaining what we lost due to the Meller. That's why the Commonwealth Termellon are out there. They're, they just want to try to get their lives back. I think it's, but I think it's also the fact that they've really drunk the Kool Aid too. Because well, yeah, they, yeah, uh, as, yeah. As I was. As I was talking with Jonathan about this, we were saying, yeah, it's like one, it's like somebody who's in like one of the British colonies, you know, and they send him to England to get educated at Oxford. Yeah. And he comes back more English than he, than, than, than what, than the, you know, the, the nationality was originally. 
Yeah, and so he's kind of stuck between two worlds. Yeah, he got immersed in the British yeah. culture, but he's not really welcome there because he's a foreigner, but he goes back home, and he's not welcome back home because he's, quote-unquote, tainted with that British sensibility and the demeanor and the culture. and yeah. But he's still better than that because he, he, he did get educated at Oxford, okay? So as long as he's a dutiful servant of the empire, the Brits will treat him proper, will, will treat him with respect, okay? They'll, you know, he'll never get the, you know, he'll always be like, not second class, but like second and a half class. Yeah, okay? yeah. He's still better than everybody else, but at the same time is that, you know, and as long as they're not in open revolt against the, the, the crown, uh, his own countrymen are going to see him as being better than them. Because you know he has the blessings of the of the overlords, so. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to be those people that say, yeah, you know, it says they're they're the real reason why all this happened, you know, because as engineers, they're going to have that attitude, that you know, limits. We don't have any limits. <laughs> it's like we have the right? ultimate. We have the ultimate in technology. We're immortal. We, we, you know, have been given everything or we're, we can, you know, make anything we want practically at the drop of a hat. Yeah. I mean. Who's going to tell us no? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> see, that's the thing. They found out there was a bigger fish in the sea and it was a fish of their own making. Yeah. Right. But I mean, the T primers are gone. So that means that the engineers are basically the top dog. You know the 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 Commonwealth has gone kaplooey, so yeah. therefore there isn't anybody at the Commonwealth level to basically rein them in. So engineers, you know, if they're not dutiful, they they can go they can go really wacky. They can go uh, they can go I, I don't want to say they can go off the reservation. They they can do things without oversight. They can be you know well, that, yeah. the mad scientisty. You know what I'm saying? Oh, see, a yeah. Termeller villain. No, that's not a comforting thought. I no, I'm not think, saying. I'm, no. I'm not. I said mad scientist. I don't mean but evil. They're not villains. But at the same time, is that they may decide to do something that is really kind of wacky. You know, because there's nobody to stop them. They just get an idea to do these things. They're going to kind of be like the Krelvin from FTL. Yeah. 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 Just. Yeah. Let's let's go and uh, bioengineer this race. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no one's no one's going to say no. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. It's a funny thing. The reason why I when you ask, okay, what are we doing? I chose this topic because my upcoming Thursday night campaign. Okay, we all know in Portals Three, there's the one world. It you get beat over the head. It's the Star Star Trek Kelvin universe. So what I'm doing for this next campaign, Jeff DeRuff is going to be in it because he wanted to play in a Star Trek campaign. And then the other two players were like, oh, wait, you're running what? So when we wrap up the current Thursday night game, I'm starting this. And basically what it is, is a young Termellan engineer named Schwad is there working on the node where that Kelvin universe, it's the river, it's the Iowa Starport alt on that page in Portal uh -huh. 3. So yeah, he goes in and flips the alt that alt with the prime, 
So now Star Trek Kelvin Earth has eight portals plus portals all throughout the solar system and local Federation space. So, of course, he finds some Fringeworthy and they go exploring to check out, you know, this new wonder in the Federation. And so I already have a Vulcan, well, basically a Serenite from Enterprise, you know, the Vulcans that were somewhat emotional, not on the level of Cyborg. Okay. And then, because the Betazoids didn't get in until 2273, someone in one of the early delegations, basically the first Betazoid diplomat. All right. So that those are the characters that are basically going to be exploring the fringe paths. And that's why I, I kind of chose this topic. I'm like, okay, this fits in with, you know, it fits into my evil pet, you know. But it, <laughs> it, it just, this is going to help me some because I've never played a Termellon before. I made the NPC up and I'm like, okay, I'm going basically on the one page blurb and fringe worthy D20. So anything that we come up with is going to help me roleplay Schwad better, and hopefully my rhyming will get a lot better in the meantime, too, because <laughs> since they tend to speak in rhyme, I'm going to have to sit there and either try to speak in rhyme, or Schwad's going to have to have a device that will unrhyme his speech and it will come out as normal. <laughs> well, you just need to make a bunch of rhymes and then try to work them in. Oh, God. Like like a like a soundboard written down pre-programmed replies. Yeah. Like Dana with the robot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a security robot from such and such enterprises. Yeah. But no, this is why I, I, I chose this topic, because... Yeah, the Tremellor engineers are essentially a plot device. Richard put them in there to like, oh, okay, you're going to, you know, find a little bit about the fringe paths from this guy. And so for us to flesh that out, we're doing our longtime fringe-worthy GMs a great service. And hopefully we'll bring out and extrapolate other things because we also have the information in Portals 4 for this. You know, besides just the one-page blurb and Fringeworthy D20. So that's why I chose this topic was just to gain some insight on this, not only as a fan of Fringeworthy, but as an upcoming GM where I have to roleplay one. So Right. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad you did bring that up because, see, that's one of the good indicators that there is a Tamellan engineer around is the fact that all of a sudden the node changes. You know, if you have, uh, if this is a place where they've been exploring and they've got like some trade going back and forth with the new Commonwealth, and all of a sudden their world suddenly is now an alt and some other world's now a prime, that's the kind of high level of tinkering that a Tamellan engineer would pull off and most other people wouldn't. So there's a really good chance that there's a Tamellan engineer on that world now, on that prime, doing something. Because why else would they bother? Yeah, I remember the class, the fringe engineer that uh, humans can take, human characters in fringe where they can take. Uh huh. And they said that if I might even be able to bring it up here, uh, they said if you have, oh, let's say, what was it? If a fringe, this, this is in the D twenty edition, by the way, you know, uh, listeners. Yeah, yeah, the D twenty edition. So page one hundred seven, the engineer class. There's something about. If the fringe engineer knows maybe level 10 of Termellan tech, the Termellan engineers know all the way up to level 100. I mean, the fringe engineers, they've been studying the fringe paths for years, and so they know how the keys work, how the pylons work, 
what powers each platform. Uh, what is it? Three black holes and a neutron star is what John computed out. If you mean the portal, the portal is powered by the energy of three black holes and a dwarf star. Okay, so the fringe engineer would know that. The Termelon engineer would know which, in what system, and when they became those type of stars, and the exact ratio of energy of each one, what they're... The fringe, the Termelon the, the engineer would know all that stuff, because he can just call it up in the root programming, because he's got root access. Because they're all taught that, because, you know, that would have been passed around by the Commonwealth when they were given the engineer training, so to speak. But yeah, I'm trying to see, they, they, they said something here in it, Now I'll have to look it up, I'm sure I'll find it somewhere, about the levels, the difference in levels that a human engineer would know and a Termelon engineer would know. So, right. Well, anyways, it, it's but you see what I'm saying here that you know if you, if suddenly things like this happen, then you can probably assume that there is a uh, a, a Termelon engineer in operation. Uh, and for example, big changes that might happen locally to the fringe pass. Uh, at one time, uh, oh, now I've forgotten his name, uh, James Buchanan. Yeah, uh, said, why is it that the fringe paths are always identical to every other part of the fringe paths? Why can't a section of the fringe paths be like canals filled with water? And you just, you're basically, you sail from one node to another instead of drive. And, you know, at the time I was fairly resistant to that idea. <laughs> But, you know, as uh, having, you know, a lot more years of experience now, I'm like, you know, really isn't a reason why it couldn't have happened. You know, you could have literally had, you know, uh, especially now that they're bigger. I mean, an eight foot wide, you know, roadway filled with water to me didn't make a whole lot of sense. But now that they're, they're 31 feet wide, that's, you know, you could actually get a boat down that. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe there's even animals that 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 are in the fringe paths that might come up and grab a rope, for example, and drag you down to the next portal. I mean, an enterprising, you know, GM could do all kinds of things. I mean, maybe you know, uh, maybe it's a vortex of air, you know, that basically carries you from one portal to another, and they're like they're wrapped around each other. One one vortex goes one direction, another vortex goes back the other way. You can. These are the kind of things that an engineer, you know, because he is an engineer, he can change the the standard. The fringe paths were created with a standard, you know, with standardized, you know, platforms and standardized, you know. But we know that engineers can do more because the original one back at T Prime has like hundreds of portals on it. It's a huge. It's the size of a moon. Yeah, you know. And so, you know, and as so, therefore, you know, the the standard configuration of one, you know, one, you know, was it five, you know, uh, uh, eight, 11 portals, you know, there's the prime alternate uh, system, star, and star, and then, hub. Oh, 12, uh, t star hub, and then the stars. So that's 12. There's 12 platforms per per node. 
And, you know, that's the standard, but it doesn't mean it has to be that way. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're an, an engineer because they know the tolerances, they know how to balance the equations and power and such. They can do things that are different. So if you came onto an area where things were different, that would probably be a good indicator that there's a team, there's an engineer around. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly finding yourself on a platform that has 10 portals with two right in the smack dab center would probably be a pretty good indicator. Yeah. And we know that there's a couple of places where they're actually broken. There's a couple of of, uh, portals that that they basically, you go through them and you're on another roadway and it goes out a certain distance and just ends in a blaze of light. Like somebody was trying to use this use this portal to bridge somewhere else and then some at some point either they became unstable or they broke the connection and never cleaned up after themselves mm, yeah yeah there's so i'm just saying that's the sort of thing that an engineer would do because you know engineers they are sometimes you know they can be great designers but they can also be sloppy you know i mean if you're you know especially when they're prototyping oh yeah so and if this is, you know, and, and if this is a, a place that they don't really care about, you know, then they might do some stuff. So that's, so that's another way of, of finding an engineer is looking for this kind of thing. Okay. Uh, a, 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 a node where, uh, the primes and alts have been rotated, meaning that somebody with a high level of crystal knowledge went and did that. And, and you know, and that means that they're probably on the prime somewhere. Well, it's like the the Tazeo world, yeah, right. Or the laws of the uh, of the fringe paths have been altered uh, so that things look different, or there's some things might be allowed or not allowed that normally are allowed or not allowed. Uh, so that's another indicator that there's probably a uh, an engineer nearby. Okay, now. I think there's another place that you would be able to, you should look first if you know about them, because it's, to me, they're very, very likely where you'd find an engineer. And that is a Tamellern entertainment world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. They, well, they do need to, have to take breaks now and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But have you read, do you remember the description of a Tamellern entertainment world? It's like a world-sized arcade. And theme park and basically amusement park, amusement park. Okay, it's a high tech, super high tech amusement park. In other words, it's the kind of place where an engineer was allowed to go crazy with whatever they wanted to do to see to wow other members of the Commonwealth. Uh. And it, it was a place where engineers were given free reign to tinker. And this was back before they went, you know, uh, before the, the Commonwealth War. This is this is back when they, you know, it's part of their normal thing to do. So if you were a Tamellan engineer and you know, you were forced to stay on the fringe paths, working, fixing portals, doing basically drudgery work. He says, wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't you want to call home a, a place where you could really cut loose as an engineer, or at least might be a place you might like to visit 
and play with. Endlessly prototype, endlessly tinker with things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seems to me that that would be a good place to check to see if there might be a, uh, a Tamellan engineer there. You know, who knows? Maybe they're balancing, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, ba- balancing moons on top of each other, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, I had a, uh, I, I, one time I, uh, we had to have an adventure where, uh, uh, we said, let's, let's envision an impossible thing for a fringe, uh, for, for a fringe worthy game. And I said, how about building a roadway where you walk to the moon? Oh, it's an Earth Prime world, okay? And you move, and, and the uh, and the people can walk to the moon. So it was like, okay, how would you do that? So you know, and I, I came up with a bunch of ideas, and it, it was it was in uh, it was in the uh, news groups, uh, you know, uh, on the Yahoo. That was one of the I- things we did. We just you know suggest a really hard job and then everybody come up with as, as many answers on how you think it could be done as possible. So, and that's the sort of thing that I think a, t- a T engineer would do. would be like, okay, let's go and make a walkway that you could walk to the moon for, you know, for an afternoon lunch, go have lunch on the moon and then walk back. It's 250,000 miles or less. To, I mean, you could move the moon in close enough so that it's in um, uh, uh, geosynchronic orbit. I'm not sure exactly how close it would have to be so that it would be like, you know, uh, yeah, it's geo, geo, uh, geostationary orbit. Because you know, right now, it, our moon is not. But they could decide to do that, move the moon in, and then that way they could build a bridge between the two of them. And there are some smart enough and high tech enough that they could also counter any of the tidal effects that would normally cause that to be a disaster. Right. Well, I mean, they might have, they might replace it with other moons that are flying around, as you say, doing weather type stuff to make sure that there still is a, uh, a tide or, you know, that keeps the ocean currents moving properly. Or maybe they've just got some really big tide, tidal engines in the depths of the ocean that just keep churning the water around properly like it's supposed to be. I don't know. That, again, that was, that, that was something that like a T engineer would say, Oh, it's a big job, which means it's worth doing. <laughs> and an amusement world is just the place to do it. Right. So I think that that would be a place where you would find, you know, T engineers, maybe more than one. I can honestly see it now that I'm, if next campaign I do, I'm going to have the IDET Adventures eventually find a, a theme park world. And one of the first things they find is a nice high tech shrine to themselves. To the players? I mean, I mean, not the players, the, uh, the characters? Yeah, to the, to the player characters, oh, yeah. Interesting. Somebody's been watching them and has built a little shrine in his, in his amusement park just for them. So one of those little diorama things, huh? Yeah, heck, make it make it like the um, the 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 revolving museum in in Atlanta. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> the player characters get to sit down and see a, a huge diorama of their adventures. Are you talking about the uh, the Civil War uh, yeah. cyclorama? Yeah. Yeah. Cyclorama. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's possible. And, and of course, they might, it might actually be like a virtual reality thing where they could step out into it. 
you know, and actually walk around the scene while the scene is playing out. That would also be a real good way of foreshadowing threats coming up to that they're going to deal with in the campaign. It's like, okay, we see that there's this gray clay thing and we've got, you know, these guys riding around on diesel Jeeps and we've got these guys who look like a mixture of Egyptian and Greek. Okay, we know since this is us, these are things we're going to have to deal with down the line. And I mean, and, and again, make it real cryptic, not where, you know, they'll know about it, but they won't know where it's coming from or, you know, how they're going to meet. Because, of course, the future is in flux. Of course. Right. Yeah. But still, that'd be a good way, a good method of foreshadowing for your campaign. Unless your name is Harry Sheldon. Wow, that reference just went by me in bullet time. <laughs> wow. Right on by. See, you don't get it? Is that what you mean? Nope. Oh. Never heard of the name Harry Sheldon. Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. He's the one who believed that if you know enough about humans, you know, about the actions of of individuals, you know, aggregated together to large enough groups, you can predict the, you know, the future actions of entire civilizations. It was called psychohistory. Okay, until he, all right. Until one psychic came along and messed everything up. <laughs> well, a lot of things happened, yeah. But yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, the mule. The I, mule. And, we would have gotten away with, and we would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for that, that, that nosy psychic. Yeah. Right, right. And their dog. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So can you think of some other places you might be likely to find a Tamellard engineer? I would say probably a commerce world. Now, those are the planet-sized malls. But are they, yeah, but they're not, real, they're not still in operation, are they? Or are they? Uh, some, of, uh, some of them might be. I mean, remember, they all, they're all run by either robots or Kellor. So, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of these malls, you know, they'll come into activation as soon as somebody hits that portal. All the I robots will... I'd like to say the ones that have survivors that were trapped on there when the, the system shut down and have kind of repurposed the world probably won't find them there, but definitely on some of the ones that might have been emptied and, and maybe have decayed a little bit, but you know, still have like a robot workforce keeping them intact. Because that's just another place where they can play. It's another, I think empty worlds in general are a good place to find them. Because they don't have to worry about hurting the native population. When you say empty, exactly. you mean nothing is there except, you know, like rocks and, or are you talking about where human intelligent life isn't there? I, I think it might depend on the individual engineer, how, how much they care about non-sapient life as, as well as sapient life. Okay. If, if, if they're very careful of any kind of life, then yeah, you're not going to find them on and then, you know, a lush, green, non-humanoid inhabited world, but yeah, if if they don't care, yeah, who, who cares if a, a couple cows and wolves get blasted by my experiment? This must be done, right? Well, you know, it doesn't, and that's more data. Yeah, well, an engineer doesn't have to be like a an engineer of of tech of like mechanical technology. It could be bioengineering. You know, those are still engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they might have to do this this side job where they go around fixing portals, but their heart might actually be in uh, fiddling with the uh, uh, the evolutionary uh, uh, path of whole ranks of species. Yeah, I'm qualified to repair portals, but my specialization is in trans 
uh, genetic crossovers. Yeah, my real job is. <laughs> okay. And then you got to watch out for that one Termellor engineer who wants to be a lumberjack. Yeah. Um, yeah, scratch that thing about what I said earlier about, oh, you can go to a mall world and there. No, all the mall worlds have been hit with Melor. The, the distribution yeah. worlds, yeah. Um, mo however, most of these worlds were ground zero for Meller infestations and lion ruins. And then expo worlds make distribution centers look like garage sales. Entire worlds given over to the shameless display of the highest of the high technology. Yeah, every one of those world expo worlds had a Meller infestation, and every one of them stamped that infection out of existence, but not without some collateral damage. There's a 5% chance that was what was used to defeat the Mellers still active and dangerous. This can range from nanoterrors to bioweapons. Enter an expo world with caution. The only way I would think you would find a Termellan engineer there is if he was refitting the world, one, to stop that weapon, and two, make that may he may be using that as a, a home base. Okay, I can grab parts from this world. I'll first get rid of the weapon that wiped out the Melor because it's still online. And then I'll use this as sort of a, a parts depot. They might have already reprogrammed that defense well, system to ignore them. Well, yeah, I mean, it'll pick up Termellor and Biosigns and just, yeah, it'll... The, the, the distri distribution worlds, you might, but as I said, considering that all of them are in ruin... Because Mellor, the Mellor hit them for, because the Mellor were smart there. What are you going to do to try to stop the Commonwealth? Stop the worlds where trade is biggest. You cut off mm -hmm. supply lines and you screw over all these Commonwealth worlds. If they can't get the supplies they need because they, oh, I'll just go three nodes down and pick up this device. Well, if the Mellor on that world, after a while, your supply lines dry up and you're out of that particular part, which you need. So I can see why the Mellor hit the distribution world's hardcore. Again, that's the Mellor playing the long game because they're yeah. immortal. They know that that type of mentality. So, yeah, you might find a, an engineer there, maybe, but you're going to find a lot of other things that you kind of wish you didn't see. If the, I, 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 do, I kind of agree. I think the engineer will be there scavenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scavenging for parts or tech. Uh, looking at what other worlds could be. Maybe one of the industrial worlds, small complexes geared towards specialty manufacturing or the massive, basically an entire factory world. The entire planet is covered with factories. You might find them there again, looking for parts. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, all the weapon, the weapon, the military worlds, which are and those worlds are almost always locked down with a security level crystal key type seven through eleven. The most dangerous worlds are always locked down with a rainbow crystal key, which the T engineers can go in and say, okay, I need this part because I need to unlock this weapon. It's on this weapons world. You might find a Termellan engineer on one of the military worlds looking for some type of di you know, bio-diode to shut down the nano-terror or whatever. So... Yeah, you might you might find a Termellan engineer on a military world, maybe again scavenging. And then of course you got the home worlds where they got all the, the home trees everywhere. You might come through the portal and end up in the Termellan engineer's front yard, where he's already waiting with tea and cookies. 
Oh, I'm expecting you here. Would you like something to eat? Yeah, unbeknownst to you, the portal kept you in uh, stasis for 10 minutes to, and then warned them. Well, of course, it wouldn't. you wouldn't know you're in stasis. It would still exactly. be an instantaneous transport. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, 10 minutes? I just, yeah, 10 minutes ago, I just entered the platform. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's been two days. Don't worry about it. Oh, heck, oh, if, if, they're an, if they're an engineer along the level, if, if it's Schmert or, or any of the other engineers about that level, they, they probably also got the memory um, adjustments that you won't even notice. Yeah. Well, because it is said, I think it's on the one-page blurb that they are, yeah, they're telepathic. No, they're not telepathic. We had this discussion. The Tamelern do not like telepathy at all. They get, they gave a form of it to the Meller so they could communicate and pass information to each other very quickly. But the Tamelern themselves do not like it because it, it basically allows other people to steal their creative ideas. So they they may share them freely, but they don't want anybody stealing them from them. So they don't like telepathy in, in their species. Okay, well, it says it here on page 48. That's something put Rich put there. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you know, there, yeah. I disagreed yeah. with Richard before about stuff and, you know, things that we, 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 both, okay. we all agreed on and then he went and did things. I could see him developing it and then also developing the way to block it. Well, it's, since these are not T-primers mostly, it could be that these are a version of them that actually do have it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying it'd be, I think it'd be, uh, you would never find it amongst a T-primer. Yeah. I can see that okay. easily. Yeah. All right. So you can have your cake and uh, you can eat your cake and have it too. And then forget about it. Yeah, exactly. And that actually makes me wonder uh, how many times IDET teams have encountered engineers just in random pocket stops. And we're made to forget. Yeah, because we know that um, what happened to Suyuri didn't happen. Mm-hmm. She uh, she basically said, "Look, you know, let's let's go on to the first path. I want to bring you back and introduce you to Schmert." And she leads them all the way out to the alternate, and she takes them to the pocket stop like she knows what she's doing, and she goes inside as a big trash heap. Nothing is there that she she expected. Yeah, it's not the desert with the home tree in the middle of it. Yeah. No, it's just a huge trashy. Well, no, I'm saying that's what she found when she went through the exactly. portal and met Schmert. And then she went back that's to that same place. That's what she remembers. Yeah. 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 So I'm just saying is this, so yeah, you know, this is quite possible for, you know, uh, for for them to give you false memories. Yeah. And sometimes, and, and I'm sure that a lot of times they might see it as being a blessing. Maybe there's something that, you know, happened that they, they think you're better off not remembering. Or maybe they just want to be left alone until you get to a certain tech level or need their help. Like, well, really need their help. Know, <laughs> yeah, that's where the GM has to decide why is this engineer doing this. Yeah. You know, it's because, I mean, we they're not humans, but at the same time, we're, we know they're not intentionally dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like they're described, far too smart and peaceful for their own good. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, they're like mad scientists, you know, where you, you, you know, this guy is so, is so smart, he has to be fed through the, door, the keyhole of, a, of, his, of his bedroom, his, his office door. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's basically on house arrest because he can't be trusted out, out about on his own because he gets into trouble. 
Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like the Termellern, it's almost like they're so optimistic and so hopeful that, well, and it's been said that people who are usually optimistic don't see as much of the real world as pessimists. It's like they blind themselves to anything bad. It's almost like the Termellern have an inability in a way to see what wrong path their inventions can take. And that includes both the Melor and the Kegak. And because it's that drive to create, which, which pushes them forward. And it's like the one flavor text where the Termolin was doing the mating dance. And he's realizing that all the women are going away to the other Termolin. And all of a sudden, just randomly, he does a certain jerk, you know, a move. And all of a sudden the women are coming his way. And he just keeps doing that move and all he gets all the women's, you know, just so that drive fills them at every level from mating to surpassing each other because they're all trying to create the next best thing. And so when the Termellern, who were so peaceful to a fault, were asked to make weapons against the Melor, that creative drive came back and it scared the Commonwealth. The stuff they came up with, I'm imagining, almost sickened them. Like, oh my God, you could do that? Holy Christ! You know, just well, you wanted us to destroy the Melor. Commonwealth right. suddenly realized that the the Tamelan were truly the biggest threat, if they wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're 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 holding back. We're not holding back for our safety. We're holding back for yours. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Thanks for listening. We're going to, you know, uh, we really hope you enjoyed it. Let us know. You know, give us a five-star rating on uh, uh, iTunes and your podcatcher, uh, whatever it might be. And we will have more for you next week. So you're going to have to wait until then. So thanks, everybody. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.